We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Brian Rippey here with you. We're going to talk a little bit across multiple sports, Ole Miss sports, a few other things uh, today. Brian joining me as we're uh, doing a few different podcasts this week. Um, Neil was out last week, this week. My schedule's moving around a little bit as well. But get all your shows, and that includes this one right here, one brought to you by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford that will take care of you with the 569 lunch specials every single day, two sides bread, 32-ounce drink. Also, download the Speed Pass Plus out. Use it, earn points, save money there with the Oxford Exxon. Also coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900. They're in Amory, Mississippi, Highway 25 South. Corey wants to be a truck guy, wants to be a car guy. He will take care of you. And when you uh, close on that deal, you get to the very end, mention the podcast. He'll sweeten it a little bit and give you a little extra discount there with Clark Ford. And then the uh, all guests are on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline, Raptors in Oxford and New Albany. Raptors on the water as well. Great weather, summertime right here. So take advantage of all the sandwiches, the cocktails, the drink selections, and more there with all Raptors location, including on the square in Oxford. Brian, how was your day? Did you, uh, did you, did you pedal some cooking oil today, get it done? I did. It was a rough one back at the office. It took a couple of days off last week to kind of extend the long weekend. And so they were, uh, they were powering it on. There was a lot of grease flowing through the office today. You'll probably hear me type a little today. I'm not using a microphone, so anybody who's out there, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel a little old school. It's going to feel like uh, 2010, 2011 a little bit back in the talk shoe days, but it is what it is. So just be aware that you'll hear us fine, but you probably will hear my background noise as I'm, I'm drinking, I, uh, I'm typing, so it's different things. Did you see this today? So I didn't see it until Matt Moscona. We're recording this, by the way, on, uh, on Tuesday night. Matt Moscona pointing out that a snake was loose in the mall today. Did you see this? I I saw this briefly come across my uh, screen at work. Actually, I someone it was a tweet where someone said something about like when I saw this mall was shut down, I assumed the worst, but it turns out it's just a snake. And in some people's mind, like 
the normal co-host of this show, that might be the worst case scenario. But uh, I didn't click it. I, I, I didn't have time, so I, I didn't get much into it. But that seems like a hell of a situation to get yourself in. Okay, here's my favorite part. So I'm reading from The Advocate. The headline, a 12-foot python is missing at the Mall of Louisiana. Here's what the internet thinks, blah, 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 blah. Um, I got a couple of paragraphs that are my favorite part. So the authorities said Tuesday that a python named Kara escaped from its closure in the Blue Zoo inside the Mall of Louisiana in Baton Rouge. Kara, who was described as, quote, very sweet by Blue Zoo officials and isn't venomous, was still missing as of 4.30 p.m. Authorities said the aquarium was closed while search efforts continued, but the larger mall of Louisiana would remain open. Oh. Are you going to the mall with a 12-foot python hanging out? Oh, no, absolutely not. I would actually be scared to be within the same state. And uh, so, But you know what that is. Like, it's the aquarium people asking, you know, so-and-so out on the swamp if it gets that far, please do not shoot this snake. Like, it's not actually a sweet snake, I don't imagine. Uh, you could tell much by that. But I guess if there is one state that could get this handled, it's probably Louisiana. And there's probably a decent shot that it never comes back because someone found dinner for a week. Authorities said Tuesday evening the search for the python would continue into the night because a nocturnal animal is most active at night and therefore can be easier to find at that time. And I think they hunt at night too. So, you know, shout out to who? Like, imagine being the do cops search for that? Who is the search? Imagine being on the search. No, you bring team. in like the game wardens and like the wildlife refuge, right? Yeah, that would have to be that. But I imagine the Louisiana wildlife guy, like he probably deals with some gators. I imagine he probably didn't sign up, you know, swear in. I don't know if they get a badge or whatnot to uh, take down a 12-foot snake. That seems like out of the job description. I'm not sure that was on LinkedIn when he got there. In the mall. Like this thing could just be hanging out on the floor at Hibbets. Yeah, so I guess I'm thinking about this the wrong way. The odds of this thing actually getting outside the building are what? And not being well, well, yeah, without being seen low as hell. This this thing's just hanging out in a store somewhere. Yeah, that's tough because there's old kids stores in there too. And you I mean, that thing hangs out at Old Navy, you could have a hell of a situation on your hands. Yeah, that's that that's the part. Is they said it's non-venomous and like okay, but a twelve foot python wrapping around you, it is trying to suffocate you. Yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't mean they don't kill. It just means they don't bite. Yeah, or I mean, if they bite they won't kill you. Sorry. Right. If that thing gets wrapped around you, you're probably like, okay, you're probably not saying, okay, thank God it's not venomous. You're probably just wondering how you got there and probably saying your goodbyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course it's Louisiana. Of course. That, that, that's, that's the only answer I have. I mean, hey, who puts a zoo in a mall? Yeah. I, I, how is that? A, or an aquarium in a mall? It sounds like they got fish and other things in there. That doesn't seem odd. Uh, that doesn't seem great. The, I know the Dallas Zoo is like a building where you just keep going up and it's indoors. That's the only one I've ever heard of it. But uh, I think you should probably have a python at least kind of somewhere with some land outside instead of just, you know, in a strip mall. Yeah, it's, a, it's an aquarium and a zoo, it appears. Um, I just pulled it up online. A lot of attractions. Um, they do snake shows and shark feedings six times a day. You can... Uh, <laughs> Including it Wednesday at one o'clock, they do predator feeding. I don't know what a predator is to a zoo, but they do predator feedings at one o'clock. And that's not constituted under the snake and shark feeding. There's snake, that, sharks, and predator feeding. Yes, that appears to be different. They have electric eel feedings. Then they have one that just says river giant feeding. That's got to mean alligator, right? 
Yeah, that would have to. Yeah, I would. I would assume so. I don't really know what else is in Louisiana swamps that would really be rivers or whatever. I'm trying to just think on the fly what other animals it would be. I can't think of anything else, but it's Louisiana. Who knows? Yeah, mantis, shrimp, octopus, that uh, that type of thing. So whatever. Um, Neil and I talked a pretty good bit about NIL um, earlier on Tuesday. Just any uh, any any main thoughts on that as we uh, so we move on to a couple of other things. Not really. I, you know, this was a story I probably, it's almost felt like you knew what was coming and how it was coming before like the legislation actually kicked in. So you kind of knew this was coming for a while and generally what it would look like. So I don't know if I was surprised or I just like maybe hadn't looked up in a couple of days, but Bo Nix tweeting out a sponsorship at 1201 and dudes jumping on it from the, from the literal time that the legislation kicked in at 12 o'clock midnight was a, uh, I guess a little initially jarring, but it was also kind of funny. And seeing the sponsorships that different guys sign, I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's going to be interesting. And I read a piece the other day, and I don't know how far off you want to get into it, but does this in it? And I thought like the, the piece was what does this keep kids in school longer? Um, because, you know, they're not as incentivized to, I guess it depends on how much money they're actually making in the black market versus this actually coming to light. And I guess only time will tell. But on top of that argument, I was sitting there thinking, does this like fix the transfer portal at all? If you partner with some local company in Auburn or something like that, are you less inclined to go somewhere else because of, you know, them being right there in your backyard? And most of it's national, I guess, but I just, I, it was a thought that popped pop through my head. Those are my biggest thoughts as far as the portal. It would only impact, in my opinion, these schools that – get the deals where it affects the entire roster. Like the one that came out from Miami today where every player gets $500 a month and it moves forward. Because if you're willing to – or if you're if you're a candidate for the portal, I have a hard time believing you're, you're a candidate for a ton of endorsements. So I, I think it would take one of those kind of roster-wide deals. But if you're – you know, I mean, you know, if you kind of feel like you need the cash and whatever and you're the 65th man on Miami's roster – do you stay for your 500 bucks a month or do you transfer to Florida Atlantic? I, I, I don't know. But I think that would be the question mark on, on some of the transfer portal changes. Did those schools, you know, Nebraska's got something with some random restaurant. Miami's got that going on. Um, I mentioned to Neil today, I, we got to see how it shakes out. And maybe there's not enough funding locally with local businesses to make this happen. But I think it becomes – I think the top guys in football get something and it's a big deal, but beyond that, it kind of dies out and doesn't become anything that overly changes the game. I think for the most part, the same in basketball. I think in baseball, it has the, at least the chance to, it's not equalizing the scholarship situation because every other team with more scholarships can do the same thing. But I do think you have the possibility of recruiting a guy and then showing him what members of the team maybe get from the local fast food establishment or the local establishment or the furniture store or whatever and going, Hey, I know they're offering you $600 more a month, but Hey, let me show you what Tim Moko is getting. Let me show you what Doug Nikhazy is getting that kind of thing where they go, Hey, you can make up that $6,400 for your dorm pretty quickly. Something along those lines. Yeah. I've never, I didn't necessarily think about how it would affect baseball, but you're, I think you're exactly right in that to where it doesn't equalize it but it probably trims the margins or, you know, shrinks the gap a little bit as well, because 
you know, you think even if it's just something baseline, and obviously you're not as famous, although I guess in some of these SEC towns, whether it's Ole Miss or State, you, you might actually be pretty close. I mean, is there a ton of difference? Especially locally, too, because, I mean, you're not talking about, hey, I'm trying to get Raising Canes or something like that. We're talking about, hey, well, Abner's jump on me. like Exactly. And so I just wonder, you know, it doesn't sound like that much money, but just say take it, not that Ole Miss would have a team-wide $500 a month thing, but just say some kid from Ole Miss, whether it's – I don't know, pick a player, Peyton Chatagnier or whatever, gets 500 bucks from some local thing. You got dudes that are only on, like, book some semester and room and board. Like, how much more money is that than an actual small sponsorship? I think it could kind of change things greatly, particularly if you, uh, if you get on the field a lot as well and immediately. The only other thing I had football-wise, I was sitting thinking about this as well, like the quarterback would be the one outlier too. If you're a candidate for the portal, you're probably not a big brand. But does it help any of like the – I'm just curious, like if Louisiana Tech, like if some kid's a backup at state or something like that, would it be more lucrative to go be the starter at Tech and collect a bunch of local stuff there? Because it's honestly just the difference between backup and starter from a branding perspective. Oh, I think 100% because, I mean, yeah, like Johnny's Pizza or something in Ruston or Monroe or you would think would jump on some semblance of, uh, of that as you move forward. I think that's a – because we got to ask this a lot. I think we frustrated a couple of people in the live stream today. I don't think those deals will be set up in advance, like as a recruiting tool to get you to transfer. But I think in your head, you know, hey, there are some opportunities here when I transfer, if that makes sense. So it's still the same thing on – hey, yeah, that does make sense. I might can get a little coin. It might help me out with this or that. But it's not like Johnny's Pizza is in the racket of buying players to get them to come to Tech. It's just that, yeah, we'd be more than happy to sponsor the starting quarterback. I mean, because I think these local things is what's going to make – to me, that's the game changer in this. It's not that the Spencer Rattlers of the world makes money or the Matt Corrals make money, because let's be honest. I mean, there's there's – fishy stuff going on in recruiting all the time for top players. Okay, great. Like, the black market's still going to exist. This doesn't just rule out the black market because now you have NIL. But we'll see how it plays out. I think there's a decent shot, though, that those middle-tier guys, those top-tier guys across multiple sports, get some local cash, get something. I mean, we saw today Arkansas's offensive linemen all signed to deal with Wright's Barbecue in Fayetteville. Like, just stuff like that where, you know, somebody can help them out a little bit. It's legal. And I was telling Neil today, you've got to worry if you're like a national brand about like the fallout in case the player does something stupid or what his Twitter account looks like or things along those lines. But locally, you're not going to get beat up for trying to help the starting shortstop make a little extra coin. Like OBs isn't going to get hammered if Jacob Gonzalez tweets something stupid. Not that Jacob would. I'm just pulling examples out of my head. But you know what I mean? Like that's that. there's not a negative to that in my opinion. No, and there would be enough people that would know or care, one, what Obi's is, and two, that he's partnered with them. To whereas, obviously, like if, you know, like one of these guys that signed with Barstool or something did something dumb, that's much more likely to create kind of a regional to national fuss on that. It's going to be fascinating. One of the things I'm interested in, it's like a question I don't know the answer to, so I don't even know if it's a question, but like anytime something major like this happens, there will be unintended consequences and there will be someone or some program or a group of programs that figures out some way to do this better than anyone else. And I'm just curious what that looks like. I'm not, I'm not going the Alabama will get all the best players now route. Just whenever you have some major shift like this, that changes the landscape of the sport, there's always unintended consequences, some good and some bad. And I'm kind of curious to figure out uh, if we know it all after this season, what some of those are. 
somebody will be very creative and somebody's supporters will have some business where they go, you know what, the hell with it. Here's money on whatever. And I mean, yeah, it's going to be an outlier. It's not something you would count on across any conference or any team. But no, there'll be something dumb happen. Somebody stupid does something. 100%. I mean, it just it's the way it's the way that crap works. So I don't I don't know. I'm also curious what what and we'll stop after this because I know it's kind of boring for a lot of people. I'm curious what like an NIL looks like after an one like an individual in a smaller sport does something really cool. Like what kind of market is there for that? Like after Braden wins the national title, like what does what does he potentially get locally or regionally? You know, the Ole Miss had a women's tennis player win the individual tennis title a couple of years ago. Like things along those lines, is there a really a market to incentivize individual talent in some of these Olympic sports? I assume there is, but I don't know exactly what that looks like. For sure. Like the CC Kaiser and Caitlin, Caitlin Lees of mm-hmm. the worlds and that, and kind of what that looks like. I'll be interested to see the cap on that is because there's going to be someone from some smaller sport that makes it pretty big. And you're going to look up and be like, wait a minute, they got how much money? Like how they, and well, then that's already like, happening with that gymnast. I mean, did you see that? What? No, I did not. What was okay. It? Yeah, like, so they say the number one deal in the country is going to be Olivia Dunn. She's an LSU gymnast. But it's because she has 5 million social media followers. So that what they're going to do is just make her a social media influencer where she's advertising the shampoo or whatever it is the hell she's doing. And that's going to make that a bigger deal as well, right? I mean, how many kids open TikToks if they didn't already have one or YouTubes in the last couple of weeks? And I read some argument too, and I think this was just an internet thread, but it was about like, you know, actually it's better with your engagement rate if you have smaller thing. And I'm not sure how much I subscribe to that on a larger scale. Like they're basically saying like micro followings, or I don't know what it was. They were basically saying it's not bad to not have a lot of followers. And I was like, I don't know about that. I think it's as important as ever. So that's another fascinating side of it, how these kids use social media to increase the amount of money. But they have to be good at it. Yes. I mean, that's the other catch to it. You can't just have a page. It actually has to be productive and interesting and influencer or whatever it is you're you're trying to do with it. So I I don't know. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage, located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so getting local underwriting to understand your market, a leader in condo financing, the float-down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We're also brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Dot com with uh, Northeast Spark. You know, you're getting the best internet around here in the Lafayette County area. I've got it in my home. We've got it in the Clark Ford studio. You get the 100 Mbps or you get the Blaze, the one gig that does power the Clark Ford studio. We've had no issues. Spark here in Oxford. Phone service available as well. Parental controls, network security, and more. It's going in more neighborhoods every single day, every single week. So call. Find out if it's there for you. If so, you're going to get download speeds much faster than you're used to if you're not using Spark. Again, 662-238-3159. Podcast also brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy. Remember, if you're a state or a school employee, who uh, has an insurance provider who is using CVS Caremark. That is a pharmacy benefit manager. Don't be confused with CVS Pharmacy. Not the same thing. I know the logo looks the same, 
But if you're using a uh, CVS Caremark uh, provider, you do not have to change anything. You're still good with Tyson Drugs. You're still good with GNM. So really, just encouraging you to uh, you know use a local independent pharmacy like GNM, like Tyson Drugs. You're going to receive exceptional services, competitive prices, and you support local business in the process as well. So find out more about that as well as how they deliver locally in the area. Six six two two three six two 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 two. And with uh, the summer still going on, check out Visit Oxford, visitoxford.com slash events to see all the different events going on every day, every week here locally if you're in town or you're a local that's here all the time. The Good Night Market is at the Old Armory Pavilion. That's Friday, July 2nd, so take advantage of that. As well as uh, the annual fireworks show, July 4th. Those are going to be over Oxford High School, so you can park anywhere kind of along that SIS, that Oxford High area. for fireworks on Sunday, July 4th, and just uh, something to put in your calendar moving forward. July 17th, End of All Music, Record Store Day. There again, Saturday, July 17th. Visit OxfordMS.com slash events. What are you getting? You, you talk to, I mean, we're close, but not the same age. You got a different set of friends or whatever. I was talking to Neil about this earlier off air. I'm getting a lot of people asking me about Liberty this year. For some reason, that's the game with Hugh coming back that everybody keeps talking about. And it's not even necessarily like they're worried Ole Miss is going to lose or anything along those lines. But there's just this weird interest in this Lane versus Hugh thing going on with a lot of my buddies, people I talk to. There's a thread on the message board right now of like essentially, you know, what's the more dangerous game, Louisville or Liberty? What do you think is drawing all this Liberty preseason stuff when we're still three months away from that game or whatever we are? Well, in short, the Hugh Freeze's last entire four years at Ole Miss, like that whole deal of it, I think I've gotten some of that. And most of it's mostly joking, like how long do you think his tribute video will be? And I'm like, buddy, I don't know what to tell you there. But like on the field thing, would it be as bad if you didn't – like they hadn't had success last year? And you, if you follow college football, I think most people know who Malik Willis is at this point. So he's got a – you know, you've seen Freeze coach – like Ole Miss fans have seen – Freeze coached masterful offensive games through the years. They've also seen him coach terrible offensive games and just in general through the years. So maybe part of that is just the fear of, oh, God, this guy's coming in here with a you know potential first-round pick. I haven't looked at a ton of mocks. It's uh, July. But a guy that's on the radar to kind of have rising stock uh, to come into Oxford and kind of do that. And I think there's a little of the whole we are old Miss thing into it amongst the fan base of wouldn't it be – perfect if Hugh Freeze came in here and won, you know, 35, 25, 24, whatever you want it to be. I don't necessarily buy it as much. I think Ole Miss is a better roster. They're talented. I think Lane's a good coach and Ole Miss at worst will be able to outscore them. But like Lane probably needs to win that by 20 or so. Now I have a feeling if nothing else, Lane's going to be annoyed to that week. Like it will be just a random pain in the ass week to deal with from an Ole Miss coaching staff standpoint in some ways. Um, There'll be something clever in there too. I don't know if he has an inadvertent Mons Venus sponsorship on the board, I on the scoreboard that week or what. But Lane will have some sort of dig, social media dig, something. I'm not sure, but you can count on that. That's my one prediction for that. Oh, you think so? You think he will acknowledge it in some way, some subtle way that doesn't get him in trouble? There will have be. Like, I don't think he'll tweet anything about anything that happened, but I think there will be something subtle. He, he's crafty like that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- yeah, I, I, I just – because I feel like, look, Ole Miss is going to win that football game, but it's it's in that mix of games that people are going to throw in, not toss-ups, but 
from a media coverage standpoint, people are going to be coming back in that week. I, I guess put it that way. Nationally, what draws more eyes from a media standpoint? Lane playing Tennessee or Ole Miss playing Freeze? Lane playing Freeze in there as well. Like you can kind of add that. He just kind of brings his own national attention as well. And then when you have Hugh Freeze coming back, I agree. I think it would be Ole Miss and Liberty for He's sure. Really- yeah, and so I, I think it would, Ole Miss and Liberty would draw – this is a good way to gauge it. Ole Miss is playing Tennessee wherever, whether it be Knoxville, Oxford, or whatever. And then Hugh Freeze is coming to Liberty like, – is taking Liberty to Oxford this year. So he's returning to Oxford. Yeah. How many more national media passes is Ole Miss Media Relations printing for each one? Which one is getting more national media guys to the stadium? Because I know it sounds silly, but – one of the things I'm jealous about is you guys getting to go to that because obviously I don't live in Mississippi anymore don't go to the games. That, that has a potential to have a very odd atmosphere because there's still a faction that is going to – there's go, there will be a small ovation. I don't know if it will be like one section or one crowd induced, but there's still a faction of people left that still will be in his corner. And I think that could make for an odd night because they did have some good times there. Not, not telling you to stand up and start clapping when the flames come out, but I'm just saying – there, it'll be a weird mix. I'll be interested. Will Ole Miss do any – look, they're not going to do a tribute video. I mean, that's stupid. But is there any acknowledgement at all? Is there any extra anything for Freeze coming back, in your opinion? I mean – I wouldn't be shocked if maybe, like, just a PA announcer and now Liberty, blah, 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 and head coach, we welcome back Hugh Freeze. Or, like, just some sentence, whatever. Okay, fine. We'll get on with their day. 26 Sugar Bowl champs. I don't think they'll be honored on the field at halftime, but they will probably put that in the bio like you're talking about. Did they – they kept the Sugar Bowl, right? I was trying to think of that right before I said it, and to be honest, I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I think um, so too. Because Gundy – I think – didn't Gundy, Gundy whine about an uneven playing field later? And I imagine if that was vacated, he wouldn't have done that. So – I'm going to say they kept it. Maybe they just, you know, play it down the middle and show the Tunsil thing and honor him at halftime. And that's kind of like, hey, look, he was in the background over there. He called that play. He called all the good ones. I mean, Gundy, shut up. Like, you got dominated in that football game. Like, move on. You don't get the trophy now. Because, I mean, that was a complete and utter ass kicking. It was not close from the start. That's what made the whole complaint so comical. That was an absolute beating. Um, and Ole Miss played really well that night, too. That Oklahoma State team wasn't terrible. I think that was just a very well-played, well-coached, well-executed game by Ole Miss. And, you know, that was – we didn't like, – you didn't think it would be the peak, right? Because when Ole Miss goes up 28-6 on Florida State the next August, you're like, what is the ceiling actually for this group? And But that turned out to be the peak. So, yeah, it's just a good night all around for them. Uh, no, they actually got credit for every game in six in 15. Nothing was Nothing was vacated at all in 15. So it was 14, some nut stuff, and some so, 12. So, yeah, so Freeze's technical record, actually, is um, 0-6 and 12, 1-5 and 13, 1-4 and 14, 10-3 and 3 and 15, and 0-7 and 16. I think they may have just found the idea. If you're laying or in media relations and you're having this going down the highway – you say, you know, welcome back, Hugh Freeze, but then put the year-by-year record post-vacation on it. What do you think? Hugh Freeze coached Ole Miss to a 12-25 and 25 record in his five seasons. And, uh, you know, include I'd go year-by-year. Year. Everyone remembers that one-in-four year. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's technically on the list six and twenty-one in the SEC. Think that bothers him? And all six are in fifteen in the books. So the okay, so it by that measure he was winless in the SEC, other than fifteen. That's correct. Zero and five, zero and five, zero and three, zero and six. That's uh, yeah, that that changes the record. Yeah, just interesting there. And I want to say, I think I'm right. Maybe in that, like in thirteen, they kept the Music City Bowl win. For some reason, I think that's the win. I think you're right, but I don't really remember or know why. It had to be someone who played or didn't play in that game, right? Because that was the that was kind of the crappy Georgia Tech game. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I I don't know. I'm we'll spend a whole week on Freeze and his complicated legacy because you know I mean look, I don't necessarily think it's overly complicated. I think there's good and there's bad, and it's pretty cut and dry. But there is a segment of the Ole Miss fan base that's not really sure what to do with him. Because, look, he did bring back some wins. He did win a Sugar Bowl. He did end it in chaotic, terrible fashion in, 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 in a number of ways. But all in all, I think the, the legacy is positive from the standpoint of he told Ole Miss they can win nationally. I don't know that that had happened, especially without Eli. That had not happened since the freaking 60s. You know what I mean? Like – I think there's something to a fan base, to a program that, look, Freeze was far from efficient. He was far from having a perfect staff. He was far from all these things. And they still won a lot of football games. And they didn't do anything cheating-wise that everybody else doesn't do. So I I think in some ways he kind of taught Ole Miss that they can win. And, frankly, he's probably – at least his tenure is the reason Lane Kiffin's here and not Arkansas right now. I think that's a really good point. And it's also – when you talk about it being positive and kind of the – what is the temperature of what Ole Miss fans remember 15, 25 years from now? Like everyone my age that I went to college with will never forget where they were in that October day in 2014. Just that will be etched in their brain for forever. And to some degree, the, the win in Tuscaloosa in 15 and the Sugar Bowl as well. Like he had three main kind of moments. And I just think those things, at least from a fan's vantage point, withstand the time much better than, you know, the hostage press conference or that really embarrassing day in July where you knew something was coming for like two weeks, but most people I imagine didn't know exactly what and kind of the, uh, kind of the, the, the beat up it took after that, because in from an Ole Miss fan's mind, I imagine they're more upset with like the embarrassment freeze caused in terms of like the, his personal stuff more so than the actual him, you know, guttering the program with NCAA sanctions. Cause like you mentioned, they didn't really do anything that any, no one else did or doesn't do double negative, whatever you get my point. And it didn't take them a ton of time to climb back out of it. Probably longer than he, you know, he should probably get more credit for 18 and a little bit of 19 defensive wise than he maybe does in terms of how bad it was, but it's not like it cratered them for a decade. No, they're still digging out of it defensively. Yes. We'll see if this season's the first year where they're not out of it defensively. And that's not that's not all because of the probation, but that does have a large impact on the probation because you can you can kind of get by on offense faster in a weird way. You don't need as much depth. You get a good quarterback, you can kind of fake it a little bit. And Ole Miss has been able to to do to do that offensively. You know, but even offensively, I 
I think it's why they are going to move Ely around. My opinion is they end up moving him to the slot some, doing some different things, kind of making him sort of a Swiss Army knife back there. Because it feels like otherwise they might be one dude short. And not like one dude short is in their bad or anything, but just where they're not maxing out their efficiency and their explosiveness unless they can, can do some different things with Ely. And they've got a deep enough backfield to make that work because you've got Parrish and you've got Snoop and you've got Bullock and you've got all those other guys that can, they can still tote the rock if you move Ely around. Yeah, right, because by the end of the year, Snoop was kind of having some carry siphoned off. Like, he became almost strictly a short down, short yardage back because of Henry Paris emerging. I agree. And some of that is just supplementing. They don't know. Like, you know, in old pa- years past, Ole Miss either had receivers that you were kind of going to – knew were going to be superstars or Elijah Moore that you thought would be really good and then kind of just became a dude. And the fact that they don't really have a dude at receiver, I think they'll be okay – but I think they'll probably try to supplement that with moving Ely around a bunch. I agree. Yeah, because you're really counting on Natario Drummond and Braylon Sanders right now. I mean, those two guys have got to play and play pretty well for you as, as they kind of move forward, which leads me into it. This is It's a summer topic, but you and I were talking about baseball right before we started the show, um, starting some preseason football content this week on the site as well. Um, start with football. What feels like – the record where they are moving in the right direction. Like, what does the year look like? Not if it's best-case scenario and Cinderella's and playoffs or anything, but what do you feel like is the baseline on positive season, negative season, and still keeping forward momentum? Well, you feel pretty good about their chances. I know we just got done kind of making the Liberty case or mostly just kind of discussing the situation, but you feel pretty good about their chances decent I would say of going four and out now granted I'm not familiar yet with Louisville's too deep to, to some degree but I think Ole Miss probably wins that game so you feel pretty good about them going four and oh and so isn't it kind of a eight and four and it depends on who you beat right like if you if there's always a couple of teams that turn out to be a hell of a lot worse than they are right so like just say Arkansas takes a step back and Auburn does too with the first year head coach a win at Auburn might not end up having as much cachet as another win or some a close loss or something like that. So I think eight and four generally, but it would also in terms of like how positive it felt, if that makes any sense at all, and how like ecstatic people were about it, it might depend on who you beat as well. Eight was my number. I think eight and four looks like you're really moving and you're good and you're just you're you're a program that's gonna stay in that range and you try to move up and you try to win more than that the next year. Seven feels like a disappointment and just kind of a fine year, but nothing, whatever, anything below that's a negative and, 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 a, and a step back for this program, I feel like. Um, nine, and you feel like you're ahead of schedule. Doable, but ahead of schedule. Because you can get to eight without being stupid. I mean, I think this was a question the mailbag Zach and I did on Thursday or Friday last week, is that to get to eight, that's Louisville, Austin P, Tulane, Liberty, Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. There's no, there's no world beater in there you're having to really upset to get to eight and four. Now you got to win every single game you're supposed to win, but that leaves four either underdogs or toss-ups without doing anything overly special. Absolutely, and there's two sides of that coin in terms of like the swing games because couldn't you see a late – if Tennessee's a little bit better in year one under – I'm blanking on the guy's name now, but um, yeah, thank you. 
Like if that's a, like that could end up kind of becoming like a house of horrors, Arkansas last year game Corral doesn't play well and they lose when they feel like they could win. But the flip side of that is honestly the game the next week where it's like, what is LSU in late October with the way this thing's trending just in general with the, I'm not even talking about the football program, the entire city of Baton Rouge, pick your scandal. And particularly as it pertains to Ed, like what is LSU October 23rd? And so kind of to finish off what you were talking about, you get to nine I mean, doesn't that feel like if you get to nine and you upset A&M at home and that's the win that gets you to nine and then you roll through Vanderbilt and State to end the year, people are like that, that creates the hype momentum train. Yeah, that's what I, that's the reason that even, even at eight, if you just win the ones we're talking about, it looks like you have tons of momentum more than maybe you even do, even though eight and four is a good year, is that you win three of your last four. Because you close Liberty, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, all those different things. You know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those deals. Like, you know, Cutcliffe was always – I don't know why I'm necessarily picking on him, but I remember growing up – I guess I was in high school, but – in college. But Cutcliffe would, you know, start 5-1 and one and they'd go 7-5. and five And you go, okay, fine year, but you kind of suck down the stretch. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles – Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Also brought to you by the Oxford Park Commission. If you want to play some adult kickball, you can do it, but you got to, the deadline to register is on July the 4th. Grab some friends, join for an adult kickball league at M Trade Park this summer. The cost to play is $125 per team, no limit to roster size. The season will run from July the 7th through August the 4th. The deadline to register, like I said, is July 4th. Go to OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. We're brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson, Mississippi. Pinpoint uh, services the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates, and they utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for the clients. Pinpoint's core services include tenant representation, site selection, acquisition and disposition of income-producing assets, development, and occupancy for landlords as well. Uh, Pinpoint takes pride in its attention to detail, professionalism, and uh, hard work. For all your commercial real estate needs, please give Sam and BB a call at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best-fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom-fit, hand-tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at BlueDeltaJeans.com. Also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry in Oxford. Lamons is at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard. They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years, from engagement rings to wedding rings to fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. You can visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-2342-777. And we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. It's the name you can trust with more than 50 years of professional HVAC experience in Oxford, Tupelo, and the surrounding area. 662-801-1777 for all of your heating and cooling needs. Again, Comer Heating and Air, 662-801-1777. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In uh, Ridgeland, uh, the College Corner is right next door to uh, Fleet Feet. And in Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, that's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. 
Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. So whether you're tailgating in Oxford or home gating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. And we're brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity, and decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie-cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, I don't necessarily, I don't think they'll beat A&M, but like if you beat Liberty, take care of business there, you presumably pummel Vanderbilt. And then it, it, you know, can't ever put too much weight on what a win in Starkville means, whether people want to admit that or not. I mean, that just look at the 2019 Egg Bowl and some other ones in the past. I agree. You win three out of four, you get through November that way. Uh, you know, you can still have a lot of momentum at eight, but you pull another upset in there, then you're really kind of cooking with gas in terms of the, uh, you know, kind of what you've built going into year three. Do you have Tennessee and LSU as the, the two swings both ways? Those are, again, back-to-back weeks, October 16th. October 23rd is the, 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 the winnable one most likely to lose and the losable one most likely to win? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, I don't think necessarily upsetting A&M, you know, assuming they're pretty good, is, is necessarily realistic. But, yeah, I guess you never know what they turn out to be. Could you, could, there's probably one more you throw in there, and that's the Halloween weekend at Auburn. I have no idea what Auburn will be, but I'm kind of judging based off of what's still on the roster. They could be okay. So that's another one that's not a guarantee. Bo Nix is nothing more than fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. But fine could be good enough if you, you know, Ole Miss kind of commits a couple of turnovers and Auburn's defense plays well that night. So I'd probably throw that one in the mix, but I'm still going to stick with Tennessee – and LSU kind of being the two swing games. Yeah, I think I agree with you. But, I mean, Ole Miss, they frankly – I mean, one one referee call different. They might have Auburn beat last year. Um, that was one that they kind of lost there with that. Auburn Auburn got those breaks, what, two weeks in a row? Yeah. yeah Arkansas uh, and Ole Miss. How many years does that happen with Auburn? When you said two weeks in a row, I know it wasn't back-to-back, but I was thinking that 13-year that was so nuts and Jordan-Hare and uh, – and Athens as well. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely true. Hell, they could have been an eight-win team last year in a normal schedule. It's not that, that unrealistic at all. Louisville went four and seven last year. They got Malik Cunningham back. He took a little bit of a step back last year. He committed 15 turnovers in 11 games last year. I think they were 112 nationally in turnover margin. Um, they're fine. They're, they're nothing great. They're nothing terrible. Louisville's okay. They were like top top fifteen or top seventeen nationally in pass defense last year, but they lost three of those starters. So they've got a lot of newcomers in the secondary. I mean, you got to think from an opener and a continuity standpoint, it, you would you would have to bet on Matt Corral kind of lighten them up a little bit. Absolutely, that's kind of what been the theme of the offseason for Corral too. It's the first time he's had any sort of continuity in his what since maybe tenth grade high school because he changed up a little bit in high school as well. And he comes back, he knows the system. Um, I mean, that's kind of a cliche, but I mean, imagine learning a different playbook every spring and then having to go play a pretty formidable opponent in the first game. I agree. I would just go continuity there. And that's probably why I would give Ole Miss the edge. And then here's a great statistic that I'm sure is very analytically sound. 
Ole Miss tends to play well in those neutral side openers. I don't really know why. I know they blew the Florida State one, but they kind of blew the doors off Boise. They beat Texas Tech. Like, they have kind of a recent history. Maybe I'm just making stuff up, but they seem to kind of play well in those. And The only uh, one they didn't play well was the Florida State game when they fell apart after halftime. I was about to say, the first tw- you watch the first 23 minutes of that thing. They played really well. It just kind of ran out of gas. That was the biggest fake-out season in the world because, you know, they're coming off the Sugar Bowl win. Shad's back. And you're like, you know, they're good. I don't know how good, but they're pretty good. And they run, they just run through Florida State in that first half, and you're going, holy crap, this team could win the title. Like, I mean, this is this is whatever. And then you know, and then you go, okay, well, they blew the game against Florida State, but no big deal. It's still whatever. And then they do the exact same thing against Alabama. And then they beat the crap out of Georgia in Kirby's first year, I guess. And, you know, it was just it was just off and on and on and on and on all all, all year. And then at the end you get the whole Shea Patterson experience. Yeah, I mean, by the end of that year, that team was uh, that team was struggling a little bit with Georgia Southern, and then lost to Vanderbilt. They caught lightning in a bottle. But like, if you'd have told me that Ole Miss would finish five and seven when they're up twenty-eight-six on Florida State, probably would have called you nuts. The one part of that preseason that year, do you remember they got that late transfer from Oregon State? What was that kid's name that had been All Pac-12? I don't know what the standards are for All Pac-12. It was like uh, Rommel or something. Yeah, Rommel Mayeo, right? I don't know how in the world I remember that. Silent G, I remember it was annoying to type. But you kind of saw him come out on the practice field for the first day of camp, and you kind of talk yourself into them being okay defensively, and they were not. Taylor Polk was in the mix a lot at the end of that year. Yeah, well, Taylor Polk caught a lot of crap, and it was not Taylor Polk's fault. If they, if they were better, he wouldn't have been out there. Taylor Polk gave them all Taylor Polk had. And it fared pretty well. Didn't you write a pretty good story on him? Like, just kind of the mentality you have to have to be that kind of walk on, wait all that time, get the hell kicked out of you in practice. And then, yeah, you just hang on and hang on and hang on and hang on. I mean, it, it, it takes a certain mentality to be that dude. Yeah, there's kind of a, I mean, this in an endearing way, like kind of a borderline like psychoness to it, right? They, they keep getting, taking punches like that every day, but good for him. He maxed out his ability. That's for sure. Yeah, he's going to have a pretty good coaching career one day, I think. Uh, I, I pulled it up a second ago. Ole Miss is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Louisville in the opener. Wow, I think I would have gone, and granted, this is probably just it being July, not knowing a ton about Louisville yet. I think if you'd have made me guess, I would have said five. Okay, yeah, I, I, I would have thought – if I think seven is about what I had in mind on what I thought the game was actually going to be. Because Ole Miss has so much more media attention than Louisville with Lane, I wouldn't have been surprised by a line. It was more like 10. I felt like they would gain a little extra bets just from the way the media handles it. Yeah, that's that's certainly fair because, you know, there is kind of the Lane factor. That's part of why they hired him, right? I mean, that was – people were boozing in the pavilion on a Monday morning during finals week for a reason. Like, there was a – you know, I think we – I think I wrote calling that a power move that day. Like, that was – they needed a shot in the arm, and he provided that, and that's kind of what you're alluding to as well there. If you'd like to bet some money line on Ole Miss and Louisville, you have to uh, – you got you to bet 280 to win 100 on Ole Miss. If you'd like to bet 100 on Louisville, you win 275. So, those are your uh, – those are your money lines. You may have answered it. Does that go up or down before kickoff? <sighs> I think Ole Miss is favored by nine points at kickoff. I think it goes up. I think that Ole Miss is going to get a lot of top 25 buzz heading into the season. I think as we get there, Corral is going to get a little more media attention. I think he's at least going to be mentioned as like the top three, four, five quarterbacks in the country along with Sam Howell and whoever else. 
I, I think that that bumps up a little bit um, because we'll see what he is. Obviously, Ole Miss needs him to be really, really good. But, you know, they, they, they got the linebacker transfer from Maryland. They'll start getting a little media attention. You got, you know, they're picking up this offensive line transfer from Utah. It feels like Ole Miss is still helping, helping the roster a little bit as they get into the season. Louisville's got, I think, four new assistant coaches. They, they have basically no continuity on their coaching staff other than Satterfield. You remember this other thing with Louisville, too, is that their head coach, I mean, it kind of ties into Mike Bianco a little bit, and all the stuff we talked about him. He interviewed for the South Carolina job when they hired Shane Beamer. It came out that he interviewed, and he had to publicly apologize to his fan base. Like, he put an ad in the paper apologizing for interviewing the South Carolina as the Louisville coach. So there's a lot of crap going on at Louisville right now. After kind of a disappointing season as well. And I know it like, you know, if that doesn't happen, right, he probably gets more of the eh, it's COVID benefit of the doubt thing as opposed to what you just alluded to. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. You're right. That was uh that was quite something. At least it didn't happen the same week Kentucky was making a national title run. I mean, he closes this thing was again, I'm deeply sorry. Thank you for your passion, your resilience, and your grace. Thank you for loving this program and compelling all of us to be better every day. I mean, like, we're kind of groveling a little bit. What are you – I know they put out – I'm not asking why he put out the statement. I know what it is, but if you actually get down to the meat of it, what is he sorry for? He's not sorry he interviewed. I don't think he told his AD he was going to interview. Okay, that's, that's a good thing to be sorry about. But, but <laughs> well, you're not, still not sorry. You knew what you are doing. I was about to say, that's not a – you walk out of the interview, oh, whatever what, – I don't know the guy's name at Louisville anymore. He doesn't know where I am. I should call him and tell him what I did. Like, that was calcula- calculated. He, he had said he wasn't interested. He didn't tell his AD, and then he went and interviewed. How do you think that doesn't get – like, that's a lack of self-awareness, too. How do you think that doesn't get out? I don't know a ton of people on South Carolina's beat, but, like, they do a pretty decent job. How do you think that that's just staying under wraps? And then once it got out, he, he backtracked and he said that his rationale was that it was close to his parents and that he would also sit for an interview at North Carolina or NC State if they were interested. <laughs> that's from serious PR 101. I can't decide if that's better or even more dumb. Oh, that's way worse. Like, what if Mike, <laughs> like, what if Mike, what if Mike put out a statement, hey, I'm sorry, but, like, here's my rationale. Don't feel too bad because if A and M called, I'd have I'd have probably listened to them as well. Like that that's that's not better, I don't think at all. What a wild story! That didn't get enough coverage, unless my memory's just short. No, it feels like this this got overshadowed by Beamer actually being hired. I feel like we're we're not getting enough out of this. No, and the part of it's the attention Louisville gets, like you mentioned, right? Because you're as an SEC football fan, whether you're media covering it or just a fan of it, you're locked into all 14 SEC programs, but you're not locked into the day-to-day of UNC football or whomever. But yeah, that that's certainly worse. The ACC doesn't have that conference-wide fan like the SEC does. Yes, where they're yeah. Where, where, where yeah they're making fun of Boston College. Right. There's, yeah, exactly. Some of that's just the whole way it's covered. There's no fine bomb show of the SEC where, you know, I don't know if Boston has rednecks, but that guy with the clam chowder accent is yelling about NC State game that week. Like that climate doesn't seem to really exist. Because this exact story we're talking about, I mean, it is kind of fascinating as you go back and read it and understand what all has been going on with that. I mean, it really is. It, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting to me. So – if you put that at any, and even like the weaker media ones, 
any SEC school, that is getting blown up for like 10 days. I may be being dramatic, but what was Louisville's actual record last year? Four and seven. Four and seven. And Satterfield was two years in? He's at his, he was in his second year. He went eight and five in year one. So you go eight and five, you backtrack to four and seven. If that's Auburn, and he in, admits to interviewing five. That's what that was what I was getting at. I'm belaboring the point. Do you make it to the next season? I don't think so. And, and now Louisville's not Auburn, but they've been competitive enough that you said they're – I mean, hell, I don't know. But, I mean, they're – yeah, they're a mid-tier team in that league, a little higher at times. I mean, they, they, should they have a Heisman Trophy winner in the last five years or whatever it is? Yeah, and that probably wasn't the greatest example interview for the Tennessee job. Like, because I imagine part of that is is those Louisville fans probably are like, "What the hell? South Carolina's not a better job." Like, they, they probably didn't take kindly to that aspect. It would probably be like the South Carolina coach interviewing for, yeah, the NC State job or some shit. Right. That's probably a perfect comparison. Yeah, he he doesn't make it to the next season. Coming off four and seven, you think Muschamp, if they gave him another year and he interviewed for NC State, they'd be cool. And didn't I'm, tell Ray Tanner. Yeah, have a good spring, man. No, he they would they would can him. Can you even tell me what division the divisions are in the ACC? Do you know them? It's coastal. I mean, I know the coastal can coastal in Atlantic, but do you know the teams in them? Oh, like which ones in which? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I'm going to give it a try. So coastal, you're going to have North Carolina. Yep. Okay, I got one. Wake? Uh, no. Uh, I think Louisville is coastal because I remember that not making a ton of sense, and then Clemson is uh, as well. Uh, no, no. Oh, I've got this all backwards. Then I just I named three. I just named three Atlantic teams in a row. Now I'm just narrowing it down. So the Virginia schools have to be in there then, because if that isn't it, I give up. Yeah, coastal is Duke, Georgia Tech, Miami. UNC Chapel Hill, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Atlantic is Wake, Syracuse, Notre Dame, NC State, Louisville, Florida State, Clemson, and Boston College. Should I feel bad about not knowing that? Because it's kind of weird with the ACC. I think I could do that with the Pac-12 and Big Ten. Could you? Yeah, I feel pretty good about Pac-12 and Big Ten without any problems at all. But for whatever reason, the ACC, I just don't care. Like – in the Pac-12, there are teams I kind of like watching. In the Big 12, there are kind of teams I like watching. In the Big 10, I have my favorites to some extent. That's kind of more Neil's thing. But in the ACC, if I'm sitting down, I don't know that it goes much farther than Clemson. And I'm counting Notre Dame, even though they're only in for the one year. Maybe Miami and North Carolina if I'm in a weird mood. And that's it. Well, also, the other part of this is, like, Pac-12 North, Pac-12 South. I get when you get in the California area, it's not, like, perfectly geographical, kind of like the SEC isn't. And once the, you know, Big Ten ditched the legends and off-field champions or live champions divisions they had, you remember that? They had those corny names for the divisions when they had them? Legends and leaders. Yeah, that's right, legends and leaders. Once you ditched that, coupled with the fact that when they first came out, it was kind of Wisconsin and then, like, the Iowa's, Northwestern's, Minnesota's. Like, it was it was an imbalance. That's what made me think of that. What in the hell is Atlantic and Coastal? What is that telling me? Why is why – is, 
why is Louisville in the like, – I don't get that. What, what is Atlantic and Coastal? Isn't it the Atlantic Coast? Like, I don't understand that. That, that was not helping me direction-wise. The Legends and Leaders is maybe the dumbest one ever because it helps no one understand where the hell anybody is. No. What if in the SEC West, and instead of the SEC West and East, you had, like, it, it just means more? And I, I don't know. What is another SEC saying? I guess that's the most famous one. People would be like, what the hell is this? But honest to God, if you did that now at the SEC, people would still know. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, and Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, and then Illinois, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Michigan. Rutgers might have gotten my fault. Do what? I think Rutgers would have been the one that tripped me up. I think I could have gotten about 10 or 11, however many schools there are in there now. I think Rutgers would have tripped me up because I think they're, they're in the Ohio State one, right? And I associate them with the crappy one. Oh, see, I keep forgetting about them in Maryland being added. Right. So. Because I don't know. Actually, I had up the legends and leaders list still. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was – what a ton. What a ton. Oh, God. I Whatever. Um, Kind of get a few more minutes. Um, Just kind of moving through a little bit. And you probably know more about this than I do. What do you feel like the expectation or the baseline is for basketball? That's a good question. I because it is is it as simple as tournament, no tournament? No, because I mean, I guess if it's a total disaster, something weird could happen. But is Kermit not the head coach in twenty twenty two? If they're a game away from the SC, you know, a game or two away from yeah, hitting, he's not on any semblance of a hot seat that would cause a dismissal with that. Right, but when you make the tournament the first year, in terms of just disappointment or success, I think it's pretty much as simple as. Uh, you know, tournament, no tournament. And I know some of this is just the nature of what college basketball is each off season, particularly at a football school. And it's no one's fault. Like, I, I mean, I worked in it as well. I'm not like doing the whole, like the media sold us this thing, but how many years in a row have you been sold that Ole Miss is a tournament team. They reshaped the roster. This transfer can do this. This guy's a rim protector. This guy's going to provide wing scoring. And it not happened. There's been like two, at least two in a row. You had a little bit of that at the end of the AK years. Like, I'm going to have to hold off a long, longer period of time passing judgment on them until I actually see a couple of these guys on the floor and how they mesh together. Because Ole Miss on paper, you thought, oh, that's a pretty good basketball team. And then at least for the first 12, 15 games of the season, on the offensive end, it did not work at all. So I don't know, but I would probably just – I'll go the boring route and say tournament, no tournament. I mean, I think from season success, not season success – I think that's true. I, I, I do. I, I think that's incredibly relevant. I think that's probably what it is. But some of it is just, like you said, it, it's roster management and how they mesh. I mean, I do think there's a middle ground there of, you know, how are they played at the end of the season? How are you doing different, like, you know, different deals, like all these different things. But there's a lot of excitement around Deshaun Ruffin. He's five foot nine, though. Like, how does that play on the floor? How ready is he immediately? Is he going to be a game changer as a freshman? You know, what, what, what are they getting out of, you know, like a Jamin Brakefield, that kind of thing, being on the roster? And then does Matthew Morrell take a step? Because if you've got Ruffin on the floor, you need a big guard to go with him. Morrell's six foot four, 200 pounds. I think there's a lot of onus on him to be much better in year two. And then out of those new guys on the, on, on the block, can you get a score? Can somebody really score on the paint, or do you just have a bunch of rim protectors? And those things, I, I really don't know right now. I think that's the interesting deal to me is just – 
what that roster looks like and do they get better as the year moves on? Because frankly, last year they didn't. I felt like they kind of regressed as it went and they were, they were inconsistent if nothing else. They're incredibly inconsistent. They just think, you know, you can tell with a lot of these teams, particularly whether it's college pro level, when you get in the last like 90 seconds or two minutes of a game and you have to have a basket, there's no leaking out in transition and getting something easy. Where are you going and how do you do it? And still to the final possessions of that LSU game, Ole Miss still didn't really know. They had a stretch there where they were probably best going through Ramella White, even though Kermit maybe necessarily didn't want it to be that way. So, yeah, it was just a lack of an identity and a consistency. I agree. I Ruffin, five nine thing aside, I know he's a talented kid, but it is he is a true freshman in the SEC. I think if you're holding out hope for Ole Miss from a basketball standpoint this year. It's the fact that Joyner becomes kind of the volume scorer that he became over the last eight-ish games of the year last year and makes – it adds something to it. Can he get a little bit better, you know, with the 18- to 22-foot jump shot or whatever, a kind of addition to going to the rim? And then Morrell taking a step. I think those two guys are huge because I think you could get away with not having a huge post presence if the Nicere Brooks is the kid's name from Miami. If he's as good of a rim protector as YouTube says and his statistics say, if you add him in breakfield and get anything offensively from them, I think you're probably still fine. They just need those two guys they had on the floor last year to continue to improve. Morrell, I think, is probably the X factor. And if you get something from Ruffin, cool, then you're really good. The Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits simply not available to other travelers. John traveled the globe for more than 37 years before getting into the travel business. He knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Just get in touch with John. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget. He'll give you options. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573. Or 662-842-3844. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. Alpha Specialties is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it at Alpha. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailer being built today. They also have Hallmark Cargo Trailers. One of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to shows and markets, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. Uh, for podcast listeners, they've got spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. They also do all types of truck accessories, and they can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798. Or check them out at alphaofms.com. We're also brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. They're stylist hand-select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife. That's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items 
from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Duckhead, Halsey, True Grit, and more. You can visit them at 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or at therogue.com. And we're brought to you by Joey Erickson at Heron Gear Chevrolet. Let Joey help you find the vehicle you're looking for at a price you can afford. Choose from a full selection of new Chevrolet vehicles or get a great deal on numerous brands of reliable pre-owned vehicles. Give Joey a call or a text on his cell, 662-571-2367. Tell him what you're looking for or stop by 1685 High Street in Jackson to test drive that new or used vehicle you've been wanting. Let him earn your business. And with any purchased vehicle, just mention the Oxford Exxon Podcast or the Soft Verbal Podcast, you get a $50 gas card. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. It's the place to go for the freshest cuts of meat in and around Oxford, whether that's beef or pork or chicken or seafood or the homemade sausages, plate lunches, whatever the case may be. Everything at LB's is absolutely spectacular. The uh, stuffed jalapenos, the stuffed mushrooms, the list just goes on and on. The bacon-wrapped asparagus, it's all incredible uh, quality. You'll absolutely love it. Just go in, stop in, tell Greg Jones that you heard about LBs on the Oxford Exxon podcast or any of our MPW digital network of programs, and he'll throw a little something extra in the bag, and he'll make sure that you leave really excited and happy with everything that you've got coming your way from LB's Meat Market. What do you expect from Brickville? I don't know. He would, you know, they're such a highly touted kid, and Kay has had a couple really messy teams at Duke the last couple of years in terms of getting – he gets four or five kids. You know, he's played the one-and-done game, right, for quite a while now. And I know Brakefield wasn't necessarily supposed to be a one-and-done. But I guess what I'm getting at is that Duke team with Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name that plays for Atlanta right now, they regressed as the season went on. Like, that was a much worse team – by March it was November and he's had a couple in a row so I don't know if that's a fit thing and I don't know or if that's just kind of he got up there and he wasn't what they thought offensively so I don't know if he can give you 28 minutes a night be pretty good defensively and give you eight to 14 points somewhere in that range uh, I think that's serviceable what I think would make him completely render him completely worthless I don't think this would be the case but if he's just a total defensive liability and you can't play him against certain guys, I don't know what they do in the front court. There's no versatility. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I mean, that's the deal. The, the, the roster is almost more interesting to me than the results right now, as dumb as that sounds. How they piece them together, who plays with who, do they get better? Does it, is it one of those fun teams where even early on, if it kind of scuffles, you see some makings as it goes? I, I think there's a lot of different ways that, if nothing else, make this team very interesting. We'll see if they're good or not. I don't have an answer to that. But I think they're going to be incredibly interesting as the, uh, as the season plays out. And then just to come full circle, we don't have to spend more than a minute on it. It's pretty obvious that it's Omaha or not for the baseball program. Okay, if you want to make this conversation like slightly more complex or nuanced, would you have admitted like three weeks ago that there is a world, I don't know, maybe they lose a, they, their Friday guy again, that they get to another super regional and he's not fired? Like if they lose another game three, was there a world he was back? I mean, look, sure. You get to a super regional and lose it, it's possible. Just the reigning national champion changed that. I kind of like presented that case in the newsletter the other day. I said, I don't know. No one knows what the actual is it Omaha or bust, but does that change it at all for you? The last margin of error short of Omaha 
was that evaporated last Thursday night, Wednesday night, whatever? It had to have hurt it. Look, I mean, you want to you want to do what you need to do in a vacuum for your program. You don't want to be reactionary to somebody else. But no, it affects Ole Miss in a lot of different ways, especially when you're three and sixteen against them in the last nineteen. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, Mike's problem is one and eight. It's the reason he's on the hot seat. So going to one and nine doesn't solve the problem. Nobody ever said Mike's not a good regular season baseball coach. Mike's an incredibly good regular season baseball coach. So I, I think that's why, to me, barring some really crazy context that we're not considering, I, I do. I, I think it's Omaha or not for Ole Miss as they move forward. I, I, I thought that losing a Super Regional was just worst-case scenario completely. But I think now that probably moves into a category that's still pretty known. I mean, I guess maybe you get walked off in the bottom of the ninth when you're up 5-4 with two outs or something, and maybe there's some sort of leniency. But for the most part, I think it's winning or not winning. And I know this is probably a conversation for another day, but just generally scratching the surface of it, is that team going to be good enough to do it? Like, did they miss a window? Because he had 18 and 19 with the Oxford kids in that class. Mm -hmm. The 20 class comes in and ended up being much better immediately, particularly with a couple of those kids, than you thought. Like, and you didn't get that year because of COVID. And so I, I guess that has to be factored in somehow. But with Gunner and Doug gone, like you only got two postseasons from Doug. I guess you got two from Gunner, but Gunner wasn't Gunner the first one. Like, did you miss a window? Are they good enough to do that? I wouldn't – like, you know, it's weird, right? You have a couple of three seeds get hot and they could back in their way and do it, but Mike's never done that. Like, are they talented enough on paper to do it in your mind? I know it's a pre-draft still, but – They're talented enough offensively to be incredibly good. I think everybody's back. I mean, I'm writing a draft preview in the morning. It'll be up by the time anybody hears this podcast. I think there's a better than 50% chance they get Graham, Elko, and Bench back. And if that – I mean, <clears throat> it's not guaranteed, but if that's true, they're going to hit. Gonzalez can be better. He's an All-American candidate next year. I think they are deep enough offensively to keep them in games, but that pitching staff, it's just a huge question mark. Because when you look at what they have coming in, and look, I think there's still some transfer portal stuff to shake out. So I think it's too early to really go here all the way. They've got a guy visiting this weekend. They've got some different things going on that make this possible. But you're really counting on Derek Diamond to maybe escape elbow surgeries. We don't know the answer to that yet. Drew McDaniel to get better. And a transfer portal guy from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That's a lot of question marks. Not saying it doesn't all work out. But I'm just not going to pencil in a Juco guy as a weekend starter. Maybe it works out and maybe he's phenomenal but I just can't go there in my head because I've seen it not work out so many times. And Brandon Johnson as the closer, but Ole Miss had a really good closer this year. And to expect Brandon Johnson to be Taylor Broadway, probably not realistic. Just going to go out on a limb and say that. So who gets outs in between two? You, it's basically the same pitching staff with a worse rotation. Like the bullpen's probably the same, maybe a little bit worse with Broadway gone. But like you mentioned, conversation for another day, but like they're, they're not getting a Friday night guy. I wouldn't think in the transfer portal, like, it, Derek Diamond starts the first game of the year, does he not? If he's healthy. Yeah, sorry. Health, elbow aside, it, it, who who else would who could you make a case for? I don't know that there is somebody on the roster right now. You know, I don't know what they're going to do with Jack Doherty. I guess you could turn him into a starter, but that's a Saturday Sunday. That's not a Friday unless something goes weird. That's an oversight. I didn't think about him in terms of the bullpen. Is he more likely to be a closer than Johnson? Um, they're really different. But if you told me that Doherty could become kind of a six-out Scott Weathersby kind of guy, I wouldn't be stunned. 
Aaron Greenwood. I think that's his comp. A lot of holes to fill there. Like, could the name, image, and likeness, could you start trading dudes from university? Could Mike off the package to Auburn for an arm or two? I mean, in, in all seriousness, they've got to keep going to the transfer portal. They can't be done right now. They missed one, but it wasn't a pitcher. Like, the, I agree that they can't be close to them. What do you think? They need to add two-ish more guys, maybe three? Yeah, and I see, I just don't think you can get that many because, A, you got to have the money available. And then, two, everybody's on the guys that can actually play. And here's the deal, too. Everybody keeps going, why is it not signed? Why is it not signed? Well, a lot of these dudes are draft eligible. You want the draft to play out before you offer them a spot because you can't tie up the money before you know if they're going to go pro. Also true. You don't, the school doesn't gain anything from that. Then you're just it's like everybody play. keeps talking about Tanner Bibby, the, floor, the, the Fullerton guy. I think he's going pro, so it's not going to matter. Like, he might sign with somebody, but I don't think he's going to play college baseball next year. And then there's a little bit of, like, you saw this in basketball as well, and maybe this is where Ole Miss could benefit, is a borderline guy gets drafted, doesn't like where he went, and comes back to school but goes somewhere else. Ooh. That's a market you could capitalize on. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if anyone's good, but a guy that is a day two guy that wants to become a day one guy and do it in the SEC, is there a market there? I don't know what it looks like, but potentially. Yeah, I think so. There's probably a market for that. I mean, Ole Miss got kind of lucky with Gaddis, and I do think he's a weekend starter. I think he can throw on Saturday or Sunday without problems. Um, I mean, once he got healthy, he was really good. And I get he's pitched against the Southland, but Sam Houston's a good team. He did it twice against them. I mean, dude allowed four earned runs in his last 52.1 innings. That'll play against anybody. So, he's very good. But, no, you – there is a definite transfer portal to grabbing the dude who was the ace at some random school and trying to turn him into a, a power conference arm. That's a very real thing. I mean, that's what's going on with the Fullerton kid if he doesn't go pro. It's just so many of these dudes are draft eligible, and with the draft now being in July, it's a cluster. Right. And that's probably, in simply put terms like close it out, that's probably the difference in whether they have a realistic chance to – meet expectations or not yeah they could lose another hitter or two and it changes things a little bit but I mean they will still be pretty good offensively no matter you know, who comes back unless they just got absolutely cleaned out by the draft but that didn't seem to make any sense for the, any of those dudes so I don't know we'll see you got another week or so of that draft here in a few days again draft preview up at rebelgrove.com in the uh in the meantime have more podcasts coming to you this week as well so we'll hope you uh have a good day Glad you hung out with us here for uh, this one. So, for Brian, I'm Chase. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.